Welcome to the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast with Laurent and not Mike. Mike is not around. He's drinking, apparently. It is Monday, the 15th of February. And we, in this episode, we are going to talk about the latest losings by Liverpool, the latest poor performance by Manchester United, and the latest Dushiko between Spurs and Manchester City. But first, Mike's not here, so I'm going to give it a take on some of the things that I've been thinking about, and it's narrative, 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 narrative. The Premier League is an interesting league in that compared to American sports, there's not really that much access. And by access, we mean time to talk to the players, time to get information, to make up stories, right? You don't have... You have a transfer period, but that transfer deadline is only in the summer or only in the winter for only two months at a time when players can change players. So you don't have the, I want to play the GM, where's this player going to go? Who is disgruntled next? The way that the NBA has created a whole market for the NFL has been working on, but the NFL I'll talk about in a minute is more like the Premier League. And baseball, which effectively invented the hot stove, which is the idea of where players are going during the winter and you're sitting around a hot stove talking about baseball. Soccer does not have a lot of that. It is reliant. And why the Premier League is so strange, it is reliant on only three things. One, the games. So the games become narrative changing events. Did you win? Did you lose? Did you draw? You know, what happens? What does that mean for the table? The table being the standings. What the manager said, managers are obligated to do a between five and 15 minute press conference before every game and after every game. And those press conferences are split into two. In England, they respect embargoes. So basically they get to have two days of stories based on what came out of that press conference. So they have embargo and non-embargo. And lastly, whatever comes out of the transfer market or whatever. So there's very little information. And so we create narratives out of those two things. And the third thing being the big driver of narrative of who are the big teams? Who are the big stories? Um, I would count in games as being referee decisions. I would count in games as being, you know, things like that. So we have games, the referee decisions, and then two separate manager things. And then I guess the big narratives are the historical importance of the club. So Manchester United and Liverpool, who are the traditional powers of English football by a lot, like it's not close. They drive the narrative. So even though, so for instance, even though Manchester City is winning the league and winning every game by a lot, the narrative is not around Manchester City's games. You get a day or two. Oh, look at Gundogan. He scored goals. Oh, look at Pep Guardiola. Look what he's doing. The narratives are, look at Liverpool. Look at the story of how they've collapsed. You get a bigger story. And then Manchester United, 
which is the second, which is the biggest, one of the biggest teams in the world. They'd say Barcelona, Barcelona, Manchester United, Real Madrid, and Liverpool are the biggest teams in the world in terms of brand. Arsenal are up there too, but Arsenal right now, because they're not playing well, you kind of, the narratives don't really work when your team is bad. They've got to, you've got to be kind of good. Otherwise people are like, come on, man, I don't want to hear about this shit. But those are the big three. And so that's where the stories go. And as a, as a fan of a relatively nouveau riche club, uh, Manchester City has only been a non-local club for less than 10 years or just over 10 years since 2008. You know, yes, they have history, but it's local history. Manchester City's history is really of a local team on the west side of Manchester and among local people who lived around that team. And that's what they were about. Yes, they had little appearances throughout history. They pop up here and there, but is really against Manchester United just in the backdrop of those things. They really don't have many European exertions. And so the context of when my team is great is in is juxtaposed against Liverpool. City aren't winning the league. Liverpool are losing. Manchester United aren't winning the league. They can't overcome City, right? City is just this robotic monolith. There's no stories around my team because we don't have fans. So we only come up as like, who if we if we if a if a TV station or a news article writes a Manchester City story, it gets 10 clicks. If that story is about Manchester United, it gets a thousand clicks. If it's about Liverpool right now, especially after they won, it gets 1,200 clicks. So it's all into scale. Anyway, that's how narrative works. And then of course, when you're on Twitter, social media has become a new channel. But I think the traditional news people are not really taking it as a major uh, path forward to, to talk about things. Yes, the players post on social media, but it's almost an extension of the boring post-game um, 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 narratives. They don't really say anything. In fact, half of them probably don't even do it themselves. They hire people to, to be their social media managers. They put a photo and they put up, you know, Oh, let's go get more three points. You know, it's very rare that there's an actual person behind them. So there's that. Uh, let's start. Let's go to the games, though. So, and even in this podcast, we do go with the narratives, right? The narrative is Liverpool lost again. <laughs> they lost to Leicester City in a chance for a, it was a top four clash, but now Liverpool sit in sixth and Leicester City sit in third on goal difference, three goal difference from Manchester United. Um, and this was a game that Liverpool actually played well. They had the lead on an amazing goal by um, Firmino to Salah. But then 75th minute mistake, Harvey Barnes scores, Vardy scores, and it just falls apart for Liverpool and they lose 3-1. Not interesting because of the result. Interesting because Jurgen Klopp after the game, again, we just have these media moments. There's post-game media, then there's newspaper media, and that's it. And that's all that drives the stories. 
Jurgen Klopp conceded the title. He looked broken. Uh, his mother had died, so it's sad. That's terrible. But that's where Liverpool are right now. They sit in sixth place, 13 points behind Manchester City, and City have a game in hand. So that happened. Uh, United, they drew with West Brom. This is now the second game or the third game of the season that United has dropped points against the top bottom three. So they lost to Sheffield two weeks ago, or three weeks, about, oh, actually more than four games ago. I don't even know how many weeks ago. It might have been three weeks ago. And now they've dropped points to West Brom. Since they were declared uh, the title when they were in first place for a week, they have fallen on hard times. They have got their last five, lost to Sheffield, drew to Arsenal, beat Southampton 9-0, ooh, and then drew to Everton 3-3 and drew to West Brom. So they're not title contenders. Again, Ollie out, Ollie in, who the fuck knows. But they sit in second, and they are still having the same problems. They can't break teams down. This was an insipid performance. It was really bad. And, you know, there were penalty, you know, VAR, blah, blah, blah. I hate VAR. It's terrible. It becomes a talking point. Anyway, United are not challengers. Next up was Leicester. Leicester had a really good performance in Didi. Of course, I talked about it. Vardy, I talked about them. They're both there. And they just cream Liverpool. They're just better right now. They have a lot of fight. They're quietly moving along. They don't have many great results, but they're staying in the top four. They had a nil-nil versus Wolves, and they lost to Leeds, which was a great win for Leeds a couple weeks ago, and then a draw before that 1-1. <clears throat> so they only have two wins in their last five, but they're hanging in. <clears throat> the informed team of the top four is Chelsea, who've had an easy run of games since Tuchel took over. Wolves, they beat Burnley 2-0. They beat Tottenham 1-0. They beat Sheffield 2-1. And now they beat Newcastle 2-0. So Tuchel had a good run to jump in. They haven't really played anyone. But I think the key thing for them is they're not giving up any goals. And, you know, if we look at what happened with City when they were sort of going back to the drawing board, Pep focused on defense first. Once the defense started working, and the identity of the team changed, then they went to play. So I think Tuchel's focusing on the defense first and then moving along. <clears throat> Next, of course, we have to talk about the Hammers, who are just flying. They are in fifth ahead of Liverpool. <laughs> David Moyes beat Sheffield United 3-0 today after a Fulham draw and a win versus Villa. Listen. I've been singing the praises of Villa, but the secret team to we have to love is our beloved West Ham. Now, they are not, they are flying in the sky a little bit. The, of the top teams, they're the worst uh, goal difference per expected goal difference per 90. They're they're breathing in rarefied air and getting lucky, but you know what? The wins are wins and the luck is the luck. So you take it and you move on. They're playing great. They're doing awesome. <clears throat> Liverpool, we know, just 
way off the pace, just not scoring goals, not defending as well as they should, just in bad shape. Everton come off a loss. We move down the table one more. They lose to Fulham. Huge win for Fulham. Fulham are well-loved. Everyone likes the way they're playing. They just, this is a weird season where the bottom three are really good. There's not really any bad teams. Um, but Everton haven't played that 5-4 game against for two hours against Spurs midweek. They just didn't have any gear to fight. Same goes for Spurs against City. Just didn't have it. <clears throat> My throat's bothering me today. I'm going to have to end the pod early. Villa, sad draw versus uh, Brighton. Brighton battered them. My guys, in eighth. Villa, incredible. Spurs hanging on in ninth, but have lost four of their last five. And their last win was versus West Brom. So they're sliding. <clears throat> They've got to get back on track desperately. Um, the magic of Kane and Son has slowed down a bit. Hugo Lloris has been poor. Son has cooled off, but he was scoring on like 60% of his shots. So that was to be expected. And Spurs now have Arsenal on their tail. Two-point gap. But Arsenal have played one more game. Arsenal beat Leeds in a really fun 4-2. Arsenal were up 4-0, but of course, Leeds. <laughs> Leeds have to do their Leeds thing. And they um, they grab two back and almost get a penalty to bring it to 4-3. But of course, I mean, it was an open game, up and down, typical Leeds. Leeds sit right behind Arsenal on 32. They're two points behind them. It's bothering me. <clears throat> then we get on to Wolves and then Southampton. Both teams playing badly, but Wolves get a big win that they need. And Southampton have lost six in a row. Wheels have come off for them. We sung the praises of Hasenhutl, but you know, he's now got some trouble on his hands. The team's luck, which they had been riding early in the season to the good record, really has run out and then some. So Hassan Hoodle's trying. They're pushing. I don't think the team's given up on them, but they're definitely frustrated with where they are and how they're playing. <clears throat> Next is a sort of listless Crystal Palace who whenever Wilfred Zaha doesn't play, they lose. And of course, he hasn't played the last two games and they have lost. So, but even the their performances are bad for, um, for Crystal Palace. I mean, giving up three goals to Burnley is just not great. Brighton gets another draw. They're unbeaten in their last five, but with three draws. Uh, they completely annihilate Aston Villa and, of course, don't score a goal because it's fucking Brighton. That's just what they do. They still have a positive expected goal difference, and they're 15th in the table. That is strange. That should not happen. Uh, so they need a striker. Hopefully they'll find one one day. <clears throat> Burnley get their win 3-0. Newcastle lose to Chelsea, and the bottom three are still cut adrift with West Brom playing the best of the group. I love my Sheffield, but Sheffield are still just not able to get results, and that's what we look like. United top of the table, followed by, sorry, City top of the table, followed by United, Leicester City, then Chelsea, then West Ham. That is your top five with 
Fulham, West Brom, and Sheffield in the bottom three. Now, where do we go? We have midweek action. Burnley plays Fulham. Everton play Manchester City. Those are makeup games for um, uh, COVID games that are being made up. So City will pick up their game in hand finally. And so will Fulham will pick up a game in hand. And so will Burnley and Fulham. Yep, they'll be even. And then City and Everton. No. City and Everton will bank up one. <clears throat> but then Aston Villa still has another pair to go. So there's a lot more to go for them. But this week, the Champions League returns. So that means that um, some of our friends, European football returns. So for the Champions League, let's just see where we are. Let's just see where we are. Uh, Liverpool play Leipzig. They got to have this. And Man City play Borussia Mönchengladbach the following week. Chelsea play Atletico the following week. And I think that's all we have. Oh, right, because United got bounced. Bye. Whoopsie. There should be four. Who's the other one that got bounced? Oh, I don't even remember. No, that's three, four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, in the Europa, I believe... Spurs and Arsenal are still battling around. But let me just check. Let's see. United fall in, so <laughs> United pick up Real Sociedad. Leicester plays Slava Prahog. Arsenal, Benfica, tough. <clears throat> and Spurs are in here somewhere. I just don't know where. Oh, Wolfsburg. So there's that happening. That is the junior varsity. Will only come into play when uh, the season gets round up. And we are finishing, finishing up. Uh, without Mike, I just don't have the gear. Please let us know how you feel about the show. This was the Squeaky Bum Time Podcast. We record on Mondays and Thursdays. We review the Premier League. Please like, link, subscribe. Tell us how you feel. Mike will be back. And I don't think I made it to the Nazi.